Welcome, everybody, to episode 120 of the Metabilis 2 podcast, which features David and Ben, uh, which is me, and David, yep. which is him. Yep. And this week, yep. uh, we're continuing our Ace theme. Yeah. We just can't get enough of Ace. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're moving on, moving away from the new adventures and into yep. Big Finish. So we are looking at the very first uh, Big Finish story that features Ace and the Seventh Doctor. It was uh, the fifth release in the Big Finish main range way back in February of 2000. The Fearmonger. And it was written by Jonathan Bloom of Rec Arts Doctor Who fame and... Partner of Kate Orman. New adventure novelist, left-handed yep. hummingbird, uh, one of All her pieces. And yep. she is she is the one who gave uh, Ace a surname, too, I believe. She was... Uh, yes. She gave uh, McShane. I think it was in her book Set Piece where she called her Dorothy McShane. Well, why did she call her Dorothy McShane? Do we know? Well, well, we know her name was Dorothy, right? Well, yeah, I, I'm, I'm aware of that. But McShane always reminds me of Ian McShane. <laughs> maybe she's a big fan. <laughs> maybe, yeah, maybe she, maybe her other fandom is like just all things Ian McShane. Mm-hmm. Yeah, from now, like Deadwood to um, yeah, ex, of course, uh, Lovejoy. Yeah. Now Love I wonder, Joy. was was uh, where uh, Love and War took place? That that driving out there was that out in Lovejoy country? Uh no, I think no, Lovejoy's okay. south of that. It's I think mm. it's still Norfolk, but like south. Yeah, south. okay. So sadly, I was just no. Say, maybe she was looking for her real dad. That's true. That's true. If only, Ace, if only, Ace's if dad only, is TV's Lovejoy. If only there could be, yeah. If only there could be a Lovejoy Doctor Who crossover. I'd, <laughs> I'd pay good money not to watch that. Basically. <laughs> Lovejoy. Well, maybe there would be a Doctor Who uh, Deadwood crossover. Oh yeah, yeah. He goes to goes to yeah. Um, it goes to the real West where it's all evil and horrible, yeah. and people swear at each other. Yeah. You think uh, you think stuff. the Whitaker Doctor would fit well in Deadwood? Well, we still. I don't know. I mean, I think yeah. I think it's like mm, the, the, the Richard Doctor's never really been, I think, properly tested against a an historical environment where she has, where she really isn't welcome. I mean, I guess yeah, a little bit. The closest we got the, was the Witchfinders. Which Witchfinders, yeah. But even then, it was like it's a little bit spiked. Anyway, we're getting off topic. We need to get back onto the um, fearmonger. Fearmonger. We do, but I, I was just wondering: did did Russell T. Davis's uh, uh, latest thing finish up? What, what what was it? You were watching years a and new years series. Years and years. Is that over now? Yeah, yeah, that's over. It's it finished in the UK because it was like on every week. Mm-hmm. And now it's on HBO, so Americans can watch it. Though I'm yeah. not quite sure what you'll all make of it, because it's quite culturally specific in many ways. Um, but it's 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 good. It's um, yeah. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah. it's very. Um, I mean, like a lot of. I mean, spoiler alert. Like a lot of um, Russell T. Davis material doesn't quite doesn't quite stick the landing. And mm. I'm not going to be more obvious than that in case mm. people haven't watched it yet. But um, you think it's going one way and then it's oh yeah okay it's it's gone that mm-hmm. way instead so yeah but it's it's very good it's it's very the first the early parts of it are very very uh very doctor who-ish there's a cliffhanger at the end of each episode mm-hmm. um the music's by murray gold um it's got um midshipman frame in it what well, i can't remember his <laughs> name now obviously right. the main the crush actor. right yep the, the actor formerly known as midshipman frame um, uh, obviously Russell's uh, main crush, and um, 
Yeah, it's awesome. Actually, one of the lead characters, I think, would make an excellent Doctor Who as well. Hmm. Um, let me see if I can find her name. Wait a second. If and when um, uh, Jodie gives up the... Yeah. Regenerates. Um, there's a brilliant actor in it. Uh, let me just find... Wait a second. Ray, Russell Tovey, of course, is Midshipman Frame. Um, Tania Miller. Hmm. Tania From Miller, who... the general. Would that work? No, but she would be a very, very good who, I think. I hmm. think so. Anyway, that's my my current who tip. Well, I just finished uh, watching Good Omens, which starring oh, David what? Tennant. David Tennant and yeah. Martin Sheen. Not yes. Martin Sheen. Michael Sheen, who was the voice of House in The Doctor's Wife. So he was the voice strong of House, Who yes. connection, partially yeah. written, co-written by Neil Gaiman and uh, Terry Pratchett, the yeah. late great Terry Pratchett. Yep, 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 yep. A lot of Who references in there. A lot of Who actors in there, too. So oh, was, list them out for us, if you will. Uh, let's see. Do, do, do. Well, Mark Gatiss was in there. He was. A, he uh, he played a character. I won't. I won't spoil it. I don't know if you're. I don't think you will see it because it's probably crosses over in too much whimsy for you. But... I don't like Neil. I didn't like Neil Gaiman. <laughs> I don't like Terry Pratchett. So right, um, it's very right. unlikely I'll be watching that. But uh, David Tennant uh, was basically doing his uh 10th doctor voice as a demon. Oh, oh, so, <laughs> so it was it wasn't that much of a stretch from uh time lord triumphant to uh the the demon crawley right right <laughs> right so also also in there was uh, uh from the long game anna maxwell martin who played suki if you remember oh, suki cantrell yes. um and the dad in night terrors uh, who played the dad of the the alien cuckoo kid? Uh, okay. Daniel Mays. He played right. a father again in that. Uh, Bill Patterson from Victory of the Daleks was in there as kind of oh. a, a, a character actor. Uh, Excellent. Reese Shearsmith was in there as had a cameo in there. Uh, Derek Jacoby had a cameo. Uh, David, David Morrissey had a cameo. Wow. Uh, uh, Steve Pemberton, who was in Silence in the Library, one of River Song's crew, was in there. Uh, one of the license plates said Sid Rat. <laughs> no way, really? <laughs> yeah. Oh so wow. it was just... Ha- oh, one of the characters. One of the characters wore a Tom Baker uh, scarf, but in a form of a necktie. So it had the uh, Tom Baker scarf pattern. Uh, I own one of those. Yeah, do you? They're really cool. Yes, I've worn <laughs> it on several occasions, hoping that people would recognize it, and they've never done that. So oh, that is that is disappointing. Yeah, it uh, is disappointing, isn't it? Yeah, and yeah, then, yeah. And then when uh, the, another bit was when when Tennant or Crowley was looking for a place to uh, escape to, he's looking through the big book of. Uh, universal galactic phenomena and right. he he uh, there's a screen uh, he's right in front of gallifrey considering gallifrey as a place to hide out during the apocalypse he doesn't wow. name check it there but uh, you you can see it on the screen oh goodness so that's a lot of who it's stuff who who thick who's, and it's an, it's an um, enjoyable watch who's who's adapted it who's the uh, it's, it's not being written by gaiman is it yeah he did the script but it was he did direct, the script. okay he did the script but it was directed by a doctor who director uh, douglas mckinnon who did santaran stratagem power three uh, okay. time heist cold war listen husbands of river song flatline i 
think those are the ones he he did. So wow, it, okay. it it has a lot of who who pedigree. There. Oh, so check it out, who fans? Um, yeah. I've just remembered a couple of other actors in years and years who are who alumni. Ah, ah. One of which is Anne Reed, who plays the plasmavore in Smith and Jones. Uh-huh, um, yes. She's a literally the the main character, and then also Jessica Hines, um, who of course was in um, the Family of Blood. Yeah, yeah. So, She's Miss whatever she's called. So a lot of uh, Doctor Who-like or related or spin-off type stuff, I think, in this down year, if you go look for it. If you go look for it. So, yeah, there is there is hope, Who fans. <laughs> while they're not making our favorite show, well, no, while they're making the, our favorite show for us, but very slowly, right. um, you can go out and find some Who things if you look carefully around things that are new. Yeah. Or you can dip back into... Almost 20 years ago, like we were going to do with Fearmonger, back to February 2000. You can dust off those big finishes and get listening, yeah. Now, I looked, the the actual physical copy of Fearmonger is going for about 90 bucks right now. On You're Amazon. joking. Yeah, because the big really? finish stopped pressing uh, 1 God. through 100, yeah. Wow. I, now, I don't know if you can I get that on auction. My- <laughs> I need to put my. I need to start selling my my copy. Of course, is signed by Sylvester McCoy and Sophie Aldridge. Well, geez, that's going to be worth a lot more. That's going to be worth like five, six, seven, eight hundred pounds. Easy, no problem. <laughs> no problem. Well, I well, spoiler here. I don't know if I would part with it because I really like this story. Yeah, I I remember not enjoying it. Hmm. Um, so I was like, oh, do I have to listen to this? Okay. And then I really, really enjoyed it. Yeah, it was great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was it was very very good indeed. Very very current in a weird way. Amazingly so. It seems yes. perfect for right now. It, I'm not sure it w- would have fit quite as well in 2000. So this is almost. I think uh, that's prescient. maybe what. Yeah, why I didn't enjoy it. I was thinking like, why the hell are they talking about like fascists and the evils of what I, I, talk you know, social <laughs> talk radio or social media um mm-hmm. no and actually i mean the connection with years and years is incredibly strong because of course some um, you know years and years is built around a female nigel farage style <laughs> proto-fascist coming to power and Sherilyn that is harper it's exactly what's <laughs> happening in 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 fearmonger it's mm-hmm. it's kind of extraordinary actually yeah the female politician the woman politician Sherilyn harper played none other than jacqueline, jacqueline pierce yes yeah who uh, plays uh i guess the I, she's she is fascist i think they are i mean she's she's racist and she's a white supremacist and it's very clear that she is uh uh not a nice nice woman in this well, a reading, I mean, I mean, what's interesting is she's not called a fascist at all, because I think, you know, in 2000, it would have been hard to believe mm-hmm. that Britain would have had <laughs> politicians like that who were mm-hmm. in, with a hair's breadth of coming to power. How could that even happen? Um, reading my, um, my, my well-thumbed copy of Doctor Who, The New Audio Adventures, The Inside Story by Benjamin Cook, Ooh. forwarded by Russell T. Davis, published in, when was this published? 2004? Um, yeah, wait a second. Someone's ripped. Uh, weird. Um, I think it was published 2004. Someone's actually ripped out the title page. That's weird. Anyway, my well thumbed <laughs> copy. Um, published I wonder if it was signed. Did you get it first hand? Oh, no, I got it second hand. Maybe it was signed. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I've never actually kind of looked at the title page before, but it doesn't have one. Anyway, um, I understand that the character of. Uh, Sherilyn Harper was written, and I'm quoting, was written as a parody of Australian right-wing politician 
Pauline Hansen. Huh. If anyone remembers her, um, she's one of those old-style fascists who have been completely, <laughs> completely taken over by all our wonderful new-style ones. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I vaguely remember Pauline Hansen from the kind of early 2000s, who was a kind of rabid anti-immigrant Australian politician. I'm not sure where mm-hmm. she's gone, actually, now. Anyway, yeah. Well, so so, eclipsed so, by um, much, much more loud and vocal uh, and anti-immigrant. Actual, yeah. yeah, actual, actual in power anti-immigrant politicians. Um, mm-hmm. So she did a really good job, I think, Jacqueline Pierce in the story. Oh, Jacqueline Pierce is amazing. I mean, everyone knows that she's great. Mm-hmm. Um, sadly, no longer with us, of course. Right, yeah. um, uh, was Chessine in uh, The Two Doctors. Mm-hmm. Um, but, of course, was probably best known as the uh, as Serverland. Yes. In yes. Blake 7, the mm-hmm. evil, evil, but very, very sexy Serverland mm-hmm. um, from Blake 7. Yeah. <laughs> I could easily see Serverland doing this if... <laughs> yeah, they should have. They so should have called cast her, role here. Yeah, they should have. They should have called her like Mrs. Serverland or something, and like mm, had the great, 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 great grandmother of Serverland or something. <laughs> Mrs. Mm. Mrs. Sarah Lan or something. I don't know. Yeah, that kind of would have been funny. And the production, I think, was pretty good. Now, um, did you read about the the production of uh, Fearmonger in the book? It is. Yes, uh, I'm <laughs> leaping through it right now. Um, the production was by Alistair Locke, did kind of post-production on it and kind of knitted it together. Uh, mm-hmm. It did all the kind of, you know, sound, et cetera, et cetera, and did a really good job, I thought. It sounded mm-hmm. very, very good. From what I've read about other people commenting, and this was a really tough production. Uh, Bloom struggled with the rewrites. Oh, Russell did not yes. like yes. what was going yes. on, and it was almost yes. never, never was produced, but... Yes, yes. I'm really, really glad it is because it is a solid story and it really fits well from it's supposed to take 15 years after survival. So, of course, Bloomins is uh, embracing the new adventures, but there's no hint of the new adventures in this. This really does seem to play off of survival. And the first three parts of this four part story the Doctor and Ace are working really well as a team, and they are depending on each other. Both have things yep. to do that are different, and it's it's really, I think, skillfully crafted. And the direction with the Fearmonger, who is this alien who who most people can't see or hear, right. is pretty pretty well conveyed through the audio trickery of Big Finish, I think. Yeah, and I, I, extremely well done. Um, it says here actually that the Jonathan Bloom said he nearly had a nervous breakdown writing it. It was so stressful, um, which is sad. Which could be why he. I don't think he's ever written another big finish uh, Doctor Who range. I think he's done some of the short trips, but I don't think he's never. He's, he hasn't done a full play again. I think he's yeah. done Torchwood, but which isn't might not be as stressful as Doctor Who. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, it's 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 very very well done. I mean, I think the radio, the kind of framing with the kind of radio uh, DJ, this kind of shock jock, um, who is of course instantly recognized, recognizable nowadays as a you know precursor to to you know all the horrors of social media, mm-hmm. or you know Fox News and right. you know all those disgusting people, you know, mm-hmm. Sebastian Gorka, um, all those people that we have to deal with currently, um, I think very, very prescient and mm-hmm. very, very current um, and, and interesting. 
So the voice actor who does that is Sophie Aldred's husband, Vince Henderson. Indeed, yes. And yes, he yes, is yes. a presenter, uh, I think a sports presenter or a presenter on ITV. He, I think he had a game show at one point. Yeah. So he does really well, I think, when he's doing Shock Jock, when he's the voice behind the microphone in, in, the, in the studio. But when he's on location, like later in part three and part four, when he's actually pressed upon to do some acting, I think it's... Uh, it's uh, you can tell that this is outside of his comfort zone. Yeah, it, it is actually really interesting because I'm just going to repeat what what you just said. But you know, <laughs> the the radio stuff is really super convincing, right? Because he's got that patter and that intonation, the way that radio is read. Mm-hmm. Um, but it said as soon as he act, then has to act, which is strange. You you would think that you'd be able to do that. Is you can you can you can see the joins um, when he's being a character. I think if they get away, Big Finish gets away with it though because uh, you you know this character is out of his league when he's in the middle of a riot trying to do man on the scene right. type thing and he's being overwhelmed by it he's just he doesn't have the skill to deal with it and it comes across in his character as a shock jock who has to face the consequences of his words right but it isn't a well acted bit that that part the other characters the supporting cast i think dude however just nail their roles from um, the who plays uh, the actor who plays Ace's friend Paul Tanner, Jonathan Clarkson. I think he does a really good job as uh, yep. uh, as uh, someone who's struggling, but then uh, struggling to make ends meet, but wants to get a job from the New Britannia party. Uh, yep. Pulls connections and just the the one who plays Stephen Keezer, who uh, Mark Wright, the actor Mark Wright, who's uh, the one who went mad. And then uh, the the main uh, assassin or uh, crazy person who won the one who hears the fearmonger uh, actor Mark McDonnell, who plays Walter Jacobs, I think does yeah. really really convincing uh, job of a of a guy who's who's losing it. <laughs> yeah, and have those have they been in other things? I don't know. Ooh. I haven't. I didn't look. No, not. The- <laughs> we should have done our research. We don't know. Um, they are all very, very good. Um, uh, they must, they must be in other, in other big finishes as well. Because I think at this time, big finish was had, had a kind of had slightly a, a kind of a company who were working together. I also, I loved Hugh Walters in it. Um, oh, uh, of Roderick, Roderick. Yeah, Gellman. yeah, he was excellent because he he was he's fantastic in Who's and a Deadly Assassin and the. Um, the things, the thing of the Daleks that he was in, whatever those Daleks were doing at the time that he was in it, Revelation or anyway. Yeah, um, he played Vogel in Revelation. That's it. In, yeah, yeah, yeah. In, it was Vogel, and it was also in Survivors as well. He was Vic Thatcher. Um, he was the mm-hmm. second Vic Thatcher in Survivors. So, very good actor. Um, <laughs> he also played Shakespeare in The Chase. That was his oh, first did role he? in Who. Yeah. Oh right. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, but yeah. I, okay. I, I think I our, our listener probably will know him from Deadly Assassin as Runcible the Fatuous. Where he is definitely fatuous. <laughs> uh, he's definitely Runcible the Fatuous. Um, but yeah, no, he's a perfect foil for Jacqueline Pierce for Serverland. Mm-hmm. Um, and and they, you know, they end up actually being sort of sympathetic, actually, to to to, to my ear. It's it's more of a Mac. Uh, excuse me. It's more of a Malcolm. Hulk type thing where not everyone is you don't have clear baddies now they, yeah they, they are bad but they have some sympathy that things got out of hand yeah 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 they didn't mean it to be like this which is, again is what makes them um unrealistic in today's fascist climate <laughs> climate when they absolutely do mean it to be like this um 
it, it goes too far for them, which mm-hmm. is, I think, kind of a, a nice twist. Again, this is a credit to Bloom's writing, but I thought the way that they worked in Unit and how uh, Roderick Allingham was expecting the Doctor to be on the scene, and then how right, right. how he ex- says to the Doctor, "Is this where you?" cozy up to the authority figures when they're not looking right after the assassination attempt on Sherilyn Harper. And right. I also thought it was really good how uh, Walter and Stevie, Stephen knew about the doctor's work in the UN and thought he was doing black ops for the UN. And right, I, right. I, I thought that all worked, worked really well with the, uh, the doctor is known, uh, I think, better than how RTD did him, like in Love and Monsters, where he's this big, uh, mysterious, uh, oncoming storm, this uh, th- threat. More like he's part of the UN. I thought was right good, right. and I thought it also fit well in with the paranoia of uh, the xenophobia of uh, you have the outside force of the UN trying to control British politics or influence British politics. Right. A really right. good angle, I thought. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it would be really interesting to get Jonathan Bloom to like talk about this if he, if he can bear to, since it seemed to be such a horrible experience for him writing it, because it is, it really is, to use the cliche, ripped from today's headlines. Uh, mm-hmm. Stories. It, it was absolutely extraordinary li- listening to it because, again, I was as, as I'm repeating myself. You know, I hadn't enjoyed it at the time, and I think because I felt it was it was you know, yeah, there's no way any of this could happen. Like right. always, everyone's always obsessing about like it's Nazis and fascists are taking over, and you know, radio mm-hmm. is evil and blah blah blah. And it seemed to be seemed to me to be a little bit hackneyed at the time, which uh, is my fault because um, you know we then slept, walked ourselves ourselves <laughs> right back to that. Right back into that, which is kind of extraordinary and really interesting. And I think it was was good of us, so good of you to bring up years and years at the beginning of our podcast. Um, <laughs> because, the, again, you know, it's fearmonger territory, basically. Right. I mean, there's no, there are no alien menaces in, in or even, you know, psychologically uh, embedded in one's mind menaces or whatever the fearmonger actually is in, in years and years. But it's dealing with exactly the same you know, very many of the same issues. Right. It, it's, yeah. it's like I said, this is a prescient work. It really, I think, captures uh, in many ways where the UK is and, well, the United States in many ways too, where, where Western Anglo-Saxon societies are. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. At, at, in 2019. Absolutely. So, uh, yeah. you know, uh, written in 1999 or early 2000, so 20 years ahead of its time. Yeah, though I, I guess one kind of interesting thing is the the shock jock Mick Thompson. It is interesting how that again in kind of contemporary culture and our you know twenty years on has kind of morphed into you know social media and mm-hmm. and actually is a lot more television. Certainly, in the United States is a lot more television than is radio. I feel right. now in some ways, um, and certainly in the in the UK, radio is kind of a is kind of a force for. Um, Good is probably the wrong word, but you know, <laughs> liberal values. Uh, I'm I'm a I'm a big fan of the uh, LBC presenter James O'Brien, um, who I follow on Twitter, uh, who's you know kind of the voice of reason when it comes to Brexit, and it's certainly again certainly in the UK. I mean, in some ways, I think radio is has become a place where 
you can actually question some of this nonsense. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, you know, it's TV, especially the BBC at this point, which is, seems to be just collapsing under the weight of its need to be impartial about Brexit. Um, and, you know, there's actually, there are places where people can talk, talk the truth. So again, I think you, maybe it's, you know, it's the, the, the shock jock element is, uh, is prescient, but maybe in a kind of different, uh, different kind of way. I think that was contemporary with the time, looking back to 2000. Uh, Howard Stern, all that kind of thing? Well, I'm thinking more like Rush Limbaugh type. Uh, oh, Rush Limbaugh, right. Is he still going? Is he, is he, it's, I, I don't really hear anything about Rush Limbaugh anymore. Is he, he's, I guess he's kind of irrelevant now. Well, when you have someone in the White House who's worse and has a, a bigger mouthpiece you really right. don't have you, you know the listeners to that type of radio don't have any reason to tune in to anyone other than the residents of uh, 1600 pennsylvania avenue that's true exactly you're getting it all directly from the directly from the president right you, and, at this he, point. Yeah. and he's pointing the finger which is uh mick thompson's big thing <laughs> right 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 and, right so episode one, all of these have, I think, fairly good cliffhangers. The, the first one, we have Walter about to set off a suicide bomb. But the dialogue that Bloom has uh, Walter, Ace, and the doctor say right before the, the bomb scene or Walter threatening to release the dead man switch, um, Walter's saying, you can hear it. Can you hear the noise in her now? Referring to Harper. And then right. Ace is going... No, we can't, and that's why we need you. And the doctor says we need you alive, and that sets out the whole understanding of, of the fear monger that only the host, and we find out at the end, it's the host that is the only one that can hear the fear monger, and right. the fear monger is basically just whispering in the host person's ear and misdirecting because it's all coming from internally. But right. a Bloom script works really well that all the clues are in there. And I've listened to this now multiple times, just picking up things that I didn't pick up on the first listen, just how well he wove in the clues to this mystery throughout his right. story. Yeah, I mean, for such a, you know, from, from a story that appeared to have such a troubled Troubles Genesis, to use a whole bunch of cliches again. Um, it is it is really well written and really well put together and really tight and um, entertaining and well constructed. And he, I think he captures the character of the McCoy Doctor and Ace really well. And you can tell that he's a really big fan of the McCoy Ace era if if you remember i don't know how much you read on rec arcs doctor who on usenet right when it was on very and, little but john bloom was always a big defender of the mccoy years oh interesting i don't know okay hmm. and he's he's done a fan fan video where he played mccoy and so i think oh, he's really? really oh interesting re- okay. yeah really in tune with mccoy and that's his sweet spot and really this is the doctor who that I wanted to see after survival with Ace and the Doctor working together as a team and not this antagonistic setting or this highly sexualized setting that we had with uh, The Virgin New Adventure by uh, Paul Cornell with Love and War. Yeah, yeah, where they're they're very much in opposition. The Doctor, this kind of, you know, Times champion, kind of manipulating things on endlessly tedious chessboards Mm -hmm. um, and basically kind of screwing them. ace over every time until she finally says like i'm leaving i'm gonna 
go off and do something else. Um, this is just this is so this, this fear mugger is so much fun, uh, and Sophie Aldred is so interesting and clever and engaging as a just just sparky and um, and you you really get a sense of an affection between the two characters. Mm-hmm. You know they yes. like each other, they work together well, they work together well to solve problems. Mm-hmm. They both know what the plan is. And, you know, even when, uh, you know, things start to go wrong uh, for both of them, you know, in part four, when the fearmonger is with the Doctor and Ace, you know, even then, you know, the Ace is trying to kind of plan around it and kind of, right. you know, defeat the enemy. It's just... She's trying to save the Doctor. <laughs> so, trying to, so trying to save the Doctor, exactly. And I think it's a really interesting contrast um, to me between this, between the fearmonger and then the subsequent... Seventh Doctor and Ace uh, uh, Audio, the Genocide Machine. Mm. Yeah, yeah, and you can really tell that this is, a, I think, a more mature story in in content. And just the scene in the beginning in Part Two, where they're in Paul Tanner's flat, and uh, Tanner is asking, well, "What is this thing? What are what are we up against?" And Ace Ace goes, "It's a fear mongoid from the planet Fearmongus." And Tanner goes, "You're joking." <laughs> and Ace goes, "Of course I am. We don't know where they came from." And but then a little bit later, the doctor and Ace give the whole explanation that these are emotional, uh, cr- uh, emotional concentrating uh, creatures that were developed by this culture or whatever. But uh, uh, they're they're scattered across the universe, and all you needed, and this was just one line from Ace. Uh, so Earth got the fearmonger. Ace just wonders. I wonder which planet got lust. So that's all you need for the ace character. That's all yep. I needed. But it shows where her mind is as a young young woman in about 2025 20, at the time of the story. Yeah, you don't need to do any more than that to like just indicate where she... Yes, exactly. It's perfect. It's perfect. Mm-hmm. And just how they work together in the team where where they're talking when he's putting together the, the force field, like like in the time monster from just odds and ends around uh, uh, right. Paul's workshop. But uh, the doctor asks Ace, what are you doing? And Ace says, I'm getting a screwdriver. And then the doctor says, uh, why? Because Ace says, well, you're going to ask for me that next. And then the doctor asks for pliers. And then a little bit later, she asks for a screwdriver. And she goes, aha, they know each other. They work as a team. And the yeah. affection for each other is established early on in the story, continuing on from the end of survival where that trust is established. Yeah. And then that makes the whole fourth episode where and, and the final final bit, the last five, ten minutes with the fearmonger, so much more effective that they have been working together as a team so effectively for the first three parts of the story. It's it really is so important for the show that the doctor and and, and his or her companion or female male companion um, mm-hmm. it, that they are um, that they're friends yes that they're friends and they trust each other and they work together and I think when the show fails you know and it really doesn't fail that much because it's so great anyway but you know it, it's, it's the Perry Six Doctor relationship mm-hmm. um, it's when Clara begets or becomes all kind of weird and like right from multiple dimensions or whatever the hell she is you know mm-hmm. with the with the capaldi doctor that's when it to me that's when it starts to break apart you've got to have this this solid relationship between these two people one of whom is an immortal time traveler from you know beyond the 
20th dimension and the other <laughs> person is like a normal person from earth right. and it's just great it's just the the relationship the bloom and he, and i didn't know that he was such a such a huge well i guess it should have been obvious that he was such a huge seventh doctor fan but the relationship is just so delightful and enjoyable and you just, you just want to spend time with these people you want to spend time with them you want to and you want to know what they get up next what they right. get up to next in terms of like solving crimes across the galaxy you know, it's a kind of a Holmes and Watson. Um, I'm trying to think of other fun partnerships. You know, it's 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 a it's a it's just a great fun partnership. They they're, they're having fun with it. Yet there's also a threat. And again, it was interesting to me. You know, I think it was the first season of uh, of David Tennant where you know it seemed to me that um, Rose and the Doctor were starting to have too much fun in terms of <laughs> like skipping around the galaxy, like being right. frivolous and solving crimes um so you and you can take it too too far the kind of fun element but it is it is important that these characters like each other and it yes. is important and i think that's what was wrong with love and war from you know, whatever whenever we covered that is that mm-hmm. you know it's like well why well I, obviously i guess i guess at the end of love and war apes does go storming off and becomes a anti-dalek agent or whatever she does um so yeah i guess you know you wonder why you would travel with someone who treated you so badly right and then but then you wonder like why am i reading a book about two people who treat each other badly and you know, right. this isn't you know this isn't iris murdoch you know this is <laughs> this is doctor who i'm you know i i should be enjoying this you know right. and i'm not so yeah right yeah so it was very enjoyable and that uh... I always have a, a tough time when I start really enjoying a piece because my commentary or my notes start just becoming transcription. I start enjoying the <laughs> yeah. writing so much, right, and I right. look at I look at my notes and I just have several pages just of transcripts and and just the, the way the story is crafted and put together. There's so many different levels, and just like when they're talking, uh, when Paul is uh, explaining that how Cheryl and Harper just says the things that people are thinking anyways and they right. can't be all really that bad when she's calling you know uh, the tandoori menace or whatever uh, all right the, all the right. racist stuff you know she's just doing that for effect and then the doctor had think has a, a really good line when he says it makes it easier for them when you think that you just hear what you want to hear and call the rest noise and that works uh, works for the these right wing politicians for these politicians that uh, for people who justify their support for them saying that they're not as bad they can't really believe that so they pick and choose everything right. they're saying but it also works really well on the story story level with the whole fearmonger bit right, where right. Where, where the host person just hears the fearmonger and everything else is just just the noise yeah, yeah, it's but it's it's so well done. Yeah, it's it's mm-hmm. as I said. I mean, I, again, I, I just reading my my new audio adventures inside storybook, it was interesting to me that the the description, the interviews that Benjamin Cook did for that book, you know, present this as such a hellish experience for right. Jonathan Bloom, but it came out so well. I mean, I'm wondering, you know. You know, how much Gary Russell had some input, maybe Briggs had some input. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I mean, Bloom should be holding his head high. I mean, this is this is a highlight of, I think, the early days of Big Finish. And actually, here's, here's another piece of trivia, trivia that you may not know. At least you always know a lot more than I do. But anyway, <laughs> um, who, who, whose first piece of graphic design was the front cover? Oh, uh, um, Clayton Hickman. Clayton <laughs> Hickman, exactly. Uh, there you go. Yeah. But, and it's yeah. not a it's not a bad cover. It's uh, it's pretty good. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it's pretty good. It's got Union Jack on it. It's got a fist on it. 
Apparently the fist was inspired by a uh, Tom Robinson album cover. Oh, really? Um, doesn't mean a huge amount to me. I'm not sure. Okay. I, I, I don't think I know who Tom Robinson is. But anyway, so there you go. Nicely done, Clayton Hickman. Yeah, well done, Clayton. Yeah, did a, did a good job. Did any any of the bits of writing especially uh, sing out to you that was particularly memorable? They're just he's just so they're just ah he's just saying what everyone's thinking is is one of the ones that really leapt out for me to be honest mm-hmm. yeah I mean that's such a that's such a again because it is what everyone says about Donald Trump and Nigel Farage well you know all they're doing is just saying what everyone's thinking well actually you know what no we aren't it's thinking not, that it's not what everyone's <laughs> thinking so you're wrong um, but you know it works on so many levels with the fearmonger itself as well which I think is, right. is just so smart and again it's you know just listening to the you know the patter of the shock jock as well is just great you know mm-hmm. just kind of wow this is what this is twitter you know this is what right. this is i i you know i i was just i just kind of like uh, i was just really kind of astounded by i'll just keep on repeating myself about <laughs> how contemporary this is and right. if, if 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 our listener has not um, downloaded or even spent 90 dollars or whatever it is on a on a on a seat on a CD copy of this, <laughs> uh, um, which would you be foolish to do? Uh, you should totally do that because it is well worth well worth a listen. It's uh, two ninety nine. Presumably, it's, it's, it's still it's, available as down. It's down. Yeah, it's, it's downloaded. Right? Yeah, two, that's how I got yeah. it. It's two ninety nine yeah. from Big Finish, and well yeah. worth it. Two two pounds ninety nine p or two dollars ninety nine cents for. Are they really that cheap? Those those early Big Finishes now to download. The early ones are. That affordable, yes. Blimey, that's. I mean, two ninety nine. I mean, that's a cup of coffee, there. right? Yeah, that's a that's a fancy drink from Starbucks. You yeah. need to listen to this. You mean you should get downloading. I will be accepting though cash offers for my signed copy, <laughs> my signed hard copy, signed. Mm. And it's signed. It was signed. I it was signed. I had it signed by them. It says to Ben on it as well. Oh, I wow. literally gave it to Sophie and I gave it to Sylvester and they signed it for me. Oh, so, lovely. Yeah. Aren't I amazing? That that should be a centerpiece of your Big Finish collection right there. Well, actually, I mean, the terrible uh, thing to admit about my Big Finish collection is that most of the my most of my most of most of my most of the early ones when I still lived in London are actually signed because I used to go and get them at um, Tenth uh, Planet in oh, Barking. Good for you. Yeah. Um, in in the Barking Mall, I used to get the tube up to the Barking Mall, and they would have regular signings, and you could take stuff along, and you know, Sophie would be there, and Sylvester would be there, and they'd sign stuff for you, and it was absolutely amazing. And that was, you know, that was kind of when that was obviously before Who had come back. Right. So, you know, it was relatively easy to get hold of, you know, Sylvester and Sophie because, you know, they they were kind of like, well, okay, yeah, fine. I'll spend Saturday afternoon in Barking signing stuff for people. Fine. So, yeah. 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 yeah well, 2000, fandom was certainly different. We were. It certainly was. Yeah. 11 years out of uh, survival and not, not only, uh, only Russell had a glimmer of who returning. Yeah, <laughs> Russell, yeah. Russell Davis, that is. Russ, yeah, yeah, Russell T. Davis. Yeah, exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah. Uh, the bit of writing I uh, that struck me is the whole bit at the very end, right before the cliffhanger where Ace gets shot, of the doctor asking Ace if she is looking for the butterfly, and how right and yes. how um, uh, the, it, it's a whole uh, discussion on. The butterfly effect and how the butterfly beats its wings and that can uh, form a hurricane and change weather and that kind of bit and the doctor <laughs> and ace goes is that does that really happen and 
she sighs. There isn't really the butterfly effect. And the doctor says, no, that's just what we tell the butterflies to keep them happy. And I thought that was... <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's funny. I yeah. thought that was a good good line. And there's there's bits of humor throughout this. And it's, oh, it's great, yeah. It's just... It's just a wonderful bit. And then like in part three, when the doctor and uh, Roderick Allingham are discussing and the doctor saying, why are you with uh, Servalent? Or why are you with uh, Sherilyn Pierce? Or, right, right. Sher- <laughs> why are you with Sherilyn Harper? And Roderick uh, is going, there comes a time in every man's life when he must put aside personal advancement and take a stand for what he truly believes in. And the doctor goes, oh, and then Allingham goes, in my case, <laughs> I'm proud to say that this time has not yet come. They this pay time me has not yet come. Exactly. It's a perfect line. Yeah, uh, it's a and, perfect line. It's just, it's funny. It's a line, that line could almost been lifted from yes minister, yes prime minister right there. Which is actually another thing, which, which again, I think is really instructive in terms of comparing this to like contemporary politics like Donald Trump wishes he had someone as clever as that um, <laughs> by his side you know Nigel Farage wishes that like there was someone as smart as that you know who's looking after him right um, and of course what's what's crazy about our current situation is that they're all stupid I mean there aren't any Svengali you know people who really know what's going on and are kind of behind the throne style people as far as I can as far as I'm able to understand it you know they're all a little bit of politics there. Uh, the blogger, Twitterer person, Oliver Willis, I'm, you may not be familiar with him. I think he calls this uh, uh, stupid Watergate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it is. It is. Yeah, the, the, the saving grace of Watergate is that, like, you know, there were kind of smart people involved in this one. Mm, yeah, that's, that's what makes it so frustrating. It's, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, if only, yeah, if only, if only this was Watergate. If only this was Watergate. Mm-hmm. But there you go. Never mind. Different so, yeah, time. We are, different time. We, yeah, we are wholeheartedly recommending Fearmonger. Um, and I, yeah, two ninety nine. Like, why aren't you listening to Early Big Finish, everyone? Come on. I'm um, well. Maybe some of them aren't as good as this, but this one is an excellent one, and yeah. we recommend it. So it's a good one. Uh, go immediately buy it. Listen to it if you haven't, or any of you, if you have it on your CD shelf. Give it another listen. It, I think, yeah. is it is. Uh, we'll uh, sell it if it's worth ninety. <laughs> well, it's ninety on Amazon. I don't know what you'd get on. I eBay. know. I'm. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um. But I mean. I mean. I actually, you know, as a as a capper to this, I mean, I think, uh, you know, at the time I was buying these these CDs, you know, because I wanted who, but I was also kind of buying them because I wanted to support Big Finish because I right. thought, well, you know, someone at least someone is doing who. Um, and I think, again, at the time, there was a slight, maybe a slight feeling, you know, that this wasn't real. In some ways, this wasn't real who. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, th- there are some of these early big finishes which are just, you know, they are, then you know, I guess they probably are canon, whatever canon is nowadays. Right. Um, but they are, they are really great who and accurate and true to the story and true to the characters yes. um, and written by people who love what they're doing. And it's, that's. One hundred percent worth listening to. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, yeah I think yeah. this is my favorite uh, McCoy Ace story. I, and I, I think you know I, that kind of that kind of really um, uh, exemplifies what I've just said. You know, this yeah. is this is real. Who you know, you can look at all their work on TV, and then you can start to look at their work on audio, and this stands up as mm-hmm. being 
a top 10, top five, top two, number one yeah. Ace and the Doctor story. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's it's that good, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I wouldn't, I mean, I wouldn't disagree. I, I'm maybe more, more doctrinaire with my canon than you are. I think... I like to see the pictures, right. but yeah, no, this is this is great. This is this is really really good. It's really good. It's yeah. just really nicely done. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Well, cool, excellent. So good. I guess we'll continue on with uh, Big Finish as, since they they have to all be this good, I think, right? Uh, how could there be anything <laughs> else? <laughs> <laughs> so I think next time we'll talk about the genocide machine, which Ooh, is the genocide machine. Sounds good. The next, the follow-on uh, Doctor and Ace story, oh. which has a, uh, a returning villain, a returning monster. Who who could that returning monster be? <laughs> I do not know. <laughs> <laughs> hmm, interesting. Yeah, no, it's exciting. I'm looking looking forward to, 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 to listening to that and talking about that next week. All right. Well, until then, you've been listening to episode 120 of the Metabulous 2 podcast. I have been uh, gushing over the fearmonger to Ben. And I have also been gushing over a fearmonger to David. And, uh, Sounds a bit rude. Anyway, carry <laughs> <on>. <laughs> until next time. Bye. Farewell. <laughs> good. Very good. Yeah, it's a, it was awesome. Yeah, I, I was pleased that you made me listen to that because um, I wouldn't I w- I'm pretty sure I would never have picked it up again and listened to it Brothers